At Morgan Stanley, old school hard work meets bold new thinking. At 88 years old, we still see the world with the wonder of new eyes, helping you discover untapped possibilities and relentlessly working with you to make them real. Old school grit, new world ideas. Morgan Stanley. To learn more, visit morganstanley.com slash why us. Investing involves risk. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good Friday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla at Post 9 of the New York Stock Exchange. Kramer's in Kansas City at GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium ahead of Saturday night's wild card, which will stream exclusively on Peacock. Favor as the morning off. What a morning. Bank earnings, uh, joint airstrikes in Yemen, PPI going into a long weekend in Taiwan elections. Uh, Dow futures are being pinched a bit by UNH. Roadmap begins with the bank's noisy quarter. We'll, we'll get to J.P. Morgan, B of A, Wells, City, and BlackRock. We are watching oil as the U.S. and U.K. make these strikes in Yemen. Tesla shares down as it halts some production in Berlin. And as we said, UNH medical losses have shares down about 4% pre-market. But we begin with Jim in Kansas City, where the weather is going to be a story for you, Jim, and for uh, Steelers Bills. Coldest game in history is what they're uh, certainly uh, going to happen. Uh, it's already pre-freezing here. Now, I will tell you, Carl, this is streamed on Peacock. I did come out here in part because I think that in itself is big news. I don't want to lose what, what the narrative is of today with, gay, with, with the banks, with the PPI. But I'm thrilled to be here, and I'm thrilled that we are uh, presenting the game. And I'll be on Saturday doing some pregame. So, yeah, I'm here and on to the show. <laughs> it's good. It's going to be fun to watch tomorrow, Jim. So let's dive right in. Um, uh, very noisy, yeah. as we said, uh, even with some revenue misses. Uh, is J.P. Morgan the clear standout? Uh, yes, because you know what? They, they actually set the tone. The first thing they did was come out with saying net interest income is really terrific. Uh, and then that's what we decided is going to be important. I mean, it's like Jamie Dimon picked a metric. And that was the metric. Uh, I could hit on a bunch of it, like maybe earnings per share, which would make it so you like Wells Fargo. Uh, I could say headcount reduction, which is why you would like Citi. Um, I could say that Bank of America is doing fine other than the last month of trading. But Jamie Dimon really kind of set the scene. And that's why uh, you're seeing good numbers. He was incredibly positive about how much money they're going to make uh, on your net, the net interest income. And Carl, uh, it's a tour de force call by Jamie. He delivered. Nobody else delivered anything near what he did. Uh, very, very true. Uh, net, interest, net interest income up ni- uh, 18, 19. Fick up eight, also a beat. IB uh, uh, up as well, Jim. Although his commentary about the economy being supported by stimulus and government debt, uh, the concerns about Russia, Ukraine, Israel, uh, he calls them profound. Look, he's got the dangerous thesis. He's got to stick by that. He's saying it's one of the most perilous times for the republic. Uh, I don't think he's going to lessen that with what's happening in the Red Sea right now. Uh, I know he's going to Davos, which Ukraine is going to be everybody's mind. But you know what, Carl? That's that's his, uh, let's say that his worldview is negative, but his view of the bank is incredibly positive. And look, as a stock person, I mean, I watched Squawk and just was amazed at all the breadth of knowledge they were talking about. But look, I'm constrained by the four walls of what I do. J.P. Morgan was a great quarterback in America, not so good. Wells Fargo, you have to just take it as with a grain of salt. Charlie Scharf, CEO, has historically watched the company overperform, overpromise. I mean, overpromise and then underdeliver. He is trying to 
under promise, and then he will over deliver. And City is just a black box. Tangible book value is at 86. The stock is so below that. I don't get it. But there's your app. And UNH, yes, it costs a little more to be able to take care of seniors. I get that. I wonder if pickleball is an issue. Yeah, we're going to get to UNH later in the show. Uh, Jane Frazier did call uh, the city quarter, quote, very disappointing. Uh, they do expect 20,000 uh, riff in the medium term, Jim. Uh, the revenue miss, even amidst, I mean, you got to strip out so many things to get to a good, a good adjusted number. Well, you see now why I mean, they pre-announced because of Argentina and Russia. There's a whole lot of other things wrong. But when you have an executive who just says, look, we're going to get our expenses right. We're firing 20,000 people. Uh, on Wall Street, we love that. Uh, I don't know how we became so, uh, so rapacious. We're, we're vicious capitalists. But what we say to ourselves is, boy, they are really about to do what we want. They are about to get the earnings right. J.P. Morgan doesn't have to do that. They're already right-sized. Yep. I think you'll find that Wells Fargo still feels like they have way too many people. What about uh, charge-offs, Jim? A little bit elevated at uh, B of A, up about $100 million year on year. A little bit more than expected at, uh, at J.P. Morgan, $2.7 billion. We were... Going into today, wondering what we would hear about credit quality. I'm so glad that you uh, highlighted that because I was surprised when I looked at Bank of America. I mean, you, you do your background calls. I didn't get that. I, mean, I don't know why the charge rolls. I mean, it could be a reversal of something that they saw last year, but they're seeing spending fine. They're consistent with the fourth quarter. Uh, the, the number that wasn't consistent was their trading in the last month. Their trading was, was I'm going to qualify it as bad. And, and that's what I think is part of the drive down. Uh, but I think that whatever you thought was the way in the uh, third quarter, it continued for all these guys, except for the fact that the charge was a little higher, which does say uh, maybe, and it's particularly with Bank of America, maybe the Fed should be done tightening. Maybe the Fed should be cutting. Because if you have charge loss, we don't want that. I mean, if you want a soft land, you don't want to step up and charge off. So I think if the Fed is looking at these quarters, Carl, they are saying, you know what? We don't want to be tighter. We want to be looser. I don't think March, but I do think June. Right. And we'll talk in a moment about PPI and what that says about uh, sort of uh, underlying wholesale inflation, as we say, and maybe corporate margins. But finally, Jim, BlackRock, uh, nice beat, uh, revenue uh, in line up seven. And then this big deal, uh, diving into global infrastructure. Yeah, you know, I really like this deal. I'll tell you why. Because if you want a higher income, these infrastructure deals are funded by bonds that are somewhat backed by the government that you're choosing. And one of them or two of them is going to default. If you're in the wrong one, you're going to get hammered. So why not have a, a, a pastiche of them? And therefore, if there's one or two that are that do default, you won't really notice it. This is a piece of paper that I want. I want a global infrastructure partnership piece of paper because I think a lot of governments are under pressure. They need to raise money. They will do infrastructure deals. I thought that, that Larry Fink was terrific. He was upbeat once again. This is a, a great deal for people who want to have more income. Uh, even as rates come down. So I, I applaud him. I thought Andrew's interview with him was terrific. And I remain convinced that BlackRock is just a fantastic company. Yeah. Uh, assets above $10 trillion first time in a few years. And as Jim says, $10 trillion. Uh, Fink was on Squawk Box. Talk a Dirk. bit about the motivation behind this deal. Take a quick listen. Our investors already have been notified. They are really excited about this transaction. Um, they see the merits. Uh, Combine BlackRock's infrastructure team and, and the GIP team, it, it, we will now have over $150 billion in infrastructure. Um, and we see more and more opportunity. 
So overall, Jim, uh, I mean, we always have this day where we talk about whether or not the bank shares went into the quarter hot, so to speak, and we're going to get a more uh, next week. But are you feeling good about this overall? Yes, I am. I mean, just go back to Wells Fargo. There were two downgrades this week that really kind of prefaced this. But Charlie Scharf has to deal with the legacy of this company saying everything's great. So now he's coming with a different rap. And the rap is, look, we're not going to overpromise here. And so that's why that stock is down. The trust owns it. I am inclined to buy more if it goes down another point or two. Uh, JP Morgan, sometimes you just you get a, a quarter that is where there are no line items that are bad. This was that quarter. Yeah. Uh, Jim, as to the broader markets, we're going to put together a pretty nice weekly gain. Uh, we got the two-year below 4.2. That's going to take you back to May of last year. And this PPI number with the one handle on the year on your core, uh, 1.8, is going to maybe accelerate the conversation that maybe earnings estimates are too low. I think that what we're going to discover is, is that there was rent that was bad. Uh, and by the way, I mean, this is for CPI. We're now looking at it for PPI. It's going to, it might flow through. And then you're looking at a stadium. You're looking at, at a stadium where the Chiefs play. And one of the things that really has crushed us, price of service, of going out, that is not coming down. One of the things, we've got $10 trillion. That's a nation, BlackRock. We have Taylor Swift. She's a nation. And what I, I, of course, being a little facetious, but that's the principal part of what we can't get down. The stickiest part of inflation right now is going places, travel and leisure. That has not come together. If that came down, I think we'd see terrific CPI. I will say this, Carl, yesterday's trading, it looked like the market was going to fall apart. And then bonds U-turn and interest interest rates went down. That saved the day. Can it happen again today? You mentioned at the top, the third thing you mentioned is long weekend. Long weekend usually means for traders, let's square up, let's do some selling, particularly with Red Sea, uh, particularly with Taiwan elections. So don't expect, uh, unless the unless interest rates really plummet here, don't expect it to have a fantastic day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we do have uh, the elections on Sunday, uh, the China military uh, with some saber rattling about uh, those who uh, want to bolster uh, Taiwan independence. Blinken's going to meet with some senior Chinese officials today in advance, Jim. And then you got China deflation three straight months of, uh, of year-on-year deflation on CPI down three-tenths. Uh, that's the longest streak since 2009, as people are looking to see how they respond to those kind of macro figures. Deflation is more pernicious than inflation, as we saw in pre-Nazi Germany. Because what happens is, if you know prices are going to come down, you have no desire to spend. Because you know three months from now it's going to be worth less. That triggered hyperinflation in Germany because they were trying so desperately, desperately to get prices up. Right now in China, people are sitting on their hands. This is actually probably going to hurt iPhone. People are going to draw a conclusion this is going to hurt Apple. But you can't have persistent deflation without people saying, you know what, I am not buying anything. And that's going to be the Achilles heel of the Chinese. Yeah. yeah. Jim, your point about overall inflation is so important because, you, as you say, services have been sticky. We've been getting progress on goods. Now we have these joint airstrikes in Yemen. Uh, the Houthis today say that there will be a response that's imminent. You got crude here uh, testing 75, Brent back above 80. I mean, how much can we rely on on further goods disinflation if, in fact, this does escalate? Great point. Seasonally, this is the uh, best time to go long oil. In other words, the best time to 
uh, go after something that could hurt us. I hope people realize that there's just some extenuating events. But this period, December, January, historically, oil has shown a spike. I had Carly Garner, my best uh, commodities analyst, on doing her work. People should be careful. Oil could go up big here, and that's going to surprise people. Uh, When I say big, $80, $85, all within reason, all within our scope. On on West Texas. I'm sorry, on Brent. On Brent. West Texas Texas could go too high. Now, look, let's understand. It's a seasonal issue. It has happened over and over again. So I just think that the calendar dictates that you could have a 10% move without a problem. And that was before we had what's going on with the Red Sea. Right. We heard from Tesco yesterday in Europe talking about food, the possibility of food inflation because of the Red Sea. Now we have a Tesla pausing some production in their facility near Berlin on the same issue, Jim. I mean, the market's going to be highly attuned to further uh, corporates that say, look, we have to take steps to mitigate this uncertainty. Yes, and then I come back to what Burberry said. And Burberry, we all know that it's being expensive clothing. They had a horrible quarter. They missed by, a, by 100 million pounds. And that means to me that the rich people, they're just not there when it comes to buying things. This is a common theme. We don't know what the rich people are doing, but I think they're going to their money funds and getting that great return. Uh, yeah. Uh, second warning from Burberry in three months on a, in a time, Jim, yeah. where inflows to cash, first two weeks of the year, uh, strongest ever, $163 billion. Your right. point about what the wealthy uh, are doing with what they've got. The, yeah, look, I, I mean, one of the things that the Fed should be cognizant of is those rates are so great that they're very competitive to uh, any sort of investment that might give you a return down the road. And that's what's happening. People are fleeing into cash. It is amazing, Carl, that this stock market is so good given the flight to let's call it high quality cash. And I think that we should be cognizant. There are some things that I think could roll over here. Carl, I think Bitcoin's going to roll over right here, right now. We're going to talk Bitcoin. about that. Sell. <laughs> We're going to talk about that and what Gary Gensler uh, said on Squawk Box this morning. We'll talk some Delta among the big laggards on the S&P this morning pre-market. We're going to dig through their numbers. Uh, tied to that, of course, is, is some more news from the FAA this morning about their probe of Boeing. Uh, take a look at the uh, futures. S&P is hanging in there despite uh, some of the pressure in the Dow, trying to s- shake off some of that u- weakness from UNH. More Squawk in the Street straight ahead. For more than a decade, Comcast has been committed to bridging the digital divide and connecting millions to affordable high-speed Internet. But the barriers to get connected go well beyond affordability. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to reach millions with digital skills training, resources, and opportunities needed to succeed in a digital world. Project Up, building a future of unlimited possibilities. Learn more at Comcast.com slash Project Up. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. 
We expect to see an inflection point in the first part of this new year in terms of our domestic unit revenues turning positive. And also corporate travel is up. Uh, again, it finished the year strong and it's picking up again. So we're now probably back almost 90% of where we were pre-pandemic levels and continuing to build. Great interview with Delta Zed Bastion this morning on Squawk Box from our Phil LeBeau. Uh, Jim, revenue up 11 and corporate up double digit uh, year on year in December. I think he also tried to throw a little cold water, uh, talking about a little bit of cut in estimates because of some costs. But when I listen to Ed, uh, look, Ed is a guy who, if there's, he says, if there's no corporate travel, he just says it. In other words, he's a straight shooter. Uh, but I do know, in the end, they cut numbers. When you cut numbers, the stock goes down. Uh, yeah, guiding full, to it. guiding full year, six to seven. Uh, streets at 650. I mean, the, the guidance, Jim, isn't, isn't terrible, but is it more about oil today? Well, yes. I mean, just talk about high costs. And I think that what happens is people say, listen, if there's high costs coming down and oil just jumped, uh, if there's high costs coming down and there's uncertainty, uh, I just think the cost story is not a great one. And Uh, that is hurting the stock. I I tell you, owning the airlines again has just become just fraught because there's just some line item every time that's negative. And look at Southwest. Remember when Southwest was a blue chip? Holy cow. Uh, as, as Buffett famously said uh, long ago, Jim, I mean, it's never going to be a wonderful business. You got you got trade issues. You got unions. You got safety. You've got consumer. Uh, it's easy for new entrants. It's, you know, given various business cycles. They did order a bunch of uh, Airbuses yeah. and some of the Airbus delivery right. data yesterday shows they are they're gaining on Boeing separate from this issue with the FAA. Look, I, I, I know how hard it is to shift. I mean, we know that Southwest came on our show, Carl, and blasted Boeing, and you thought for sure they're going, going to move over to Airbus. They were so negative. No, they ordered just they, they ordered t- hundreds of Boeing planes. So it is a sticky business. Uh, Boeing, no matter what, seems to be able to keep its book of business. Uh, not a lot of switching. Uh, by the way, uh, Warren Buffett, U.S. Air was not a great investment. Yes, yes, I. I, I, I want to point. I show. Uh, uh, but I thought, by the way, I thought Dave Calhoun did a good job yesterday. And look, Phil pressed him on everything. Uh, I was ready to jump on him if he didn't do a good job, particularly because Dave Faber got me out of the stock. Uh, <laughs> and I, <laughs> much criticized by David. But you know what? In the end, uh, you got the facts. Uh, he stuck with the facts, and the facts don't make for a good story. Yeah. Uh, We're going to watch, obviously, the Boeing story carefully as the FAA now, even in this interview this morning, Jim, uh, with Squawk, raising the possibility of maybe a third party at some point uh, supervising production. That's a longer term story. We're going to get a Midwest edition of Kramer's Mad Dash today as we count down to the opening bell. Of course, he is uh, in Kansas City for the wild card tomorrow. Futures here slowly improving. Now the Dow is the only laggard. Squawk on the street continues in a minute. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Time for Kramer's Mad Dash as we count down to the opening bell. High-quality problem, Costco. 
Tens of thousands of people, according to Bloomberg, lined up this morning to get into a Costco. They had to have crowd control, only 100 every 10 minutes. Uh, there, were, there were actual very much issues about uh, the government worried that there were just, could they maintain control? But looks to be mayhem because the Chinese love the store, Shenzhen tech area. I, I, Carl, people say, could, uh, is Costco saturating the world? And the answer is, if you have tens of thousands of people lining up for a new store, I think you have room for more Costco's. Uh, that's pretty interesting, Jim. Uh, you know, thinking back uh, many years to where we did a, a long look at Costco, they admitted at the time that their weakness, their Achilles heel, was probably e-commerce. And I wonder if you think, how, much, how have they managed to make so much progress without doing the kinds of things that, say, Walmart's done online? Well, they have. Yep, they've done a little bit of uh, of e-com, but yes, it's to go to the stores. The stores are uh, the fun. I mean, right now uh, they have been doing gold bullion in our country, and gold bullion is in short supply for them. They want to try to constantly replenish. But the stores are um, a thing of greatness for people. It's a, a fun place to go. Yep. And I think that obviously e-com is not fun. E-com, you know, <laughs> Amazon is not fun. It's utilitarian. But Costco is fun. Uh, it's bargain. The Chinese love a bargain, clearly. They may not be spending. Uh, there may be deflation there, but it sure ain't a Costco. Remember, Costco is a volume play, not a price play. They're not trying to make money off you. You buy the card. card that's where they make their money. Special dividend coming up soon. And then you get the lowest prices. It's a fantastic model. Uh, it is a little bit like Amazon Prime. Yeah. Really, you pay more for Amazon Prime, you pay more for Netflix, and you pay more for Costco, and I don't think anyone would be unhappy. Yeah, and some pretty good color on that last comp about uh, discretionary non-food uh, doing pretty well here, uh, flipping yeah. to the positive. They're buying, a, they're buying tech again. And yeah. we know from Gardner that the fourth quarter showed that tech was starting to bottom. I saw a Dell interview on Frank Holland's excellent show this morning that was incredibly positive. That's more corporate. PCs are where you want to be. No, your uh, your corporate your your IT refresh story, Jim, is definitely fleshing out quickly here. Uh, we'll talk more about that after up. after the bell. I, I uh, was hoping the facts. I was afraid that the facts would get in the way of a good story, <laughs> but so far the facts are bearing me out. Yes. Opening bell coming up in five minutes, and don't forget, you can catch us anytime, anywhere. Just listen to and follow the Squawk on the Street Opening Bell podcast. Bitcoin itself, we did not approve. We do not endorse. This is a product called an exchange traded product, a way uh, that investors can invest in that underlying non-security commodity called Bitcoin. But yes, investors, I think, should be uh, aware that this, the underlying asset, is a highly speculative, volatile asset. And uh, amongst its uh, use cases is really uh, for illicit activity, money laundering and sanctions and ransomware and the like. That's SEC Chair Gensler on Squawk this morning talking about Bitcoin. A day after the Bitcoin ETFs did top $4.6 billion in volume in their first day of trading. Jim, I, I got to know what, you're, uh, what Larry Williams is telling you about the Bitcoin chart. He's been, been texting me saying, listen, I'm going to give you a chart that shows you this thing is absolutely top. I, Larry's been so right. He, he called the bottom in October. He said that we're going to have a great November, December. He said that let's be careful. Markets up a lot this 
this week it could end up not being so great. But the main thing you say, I mean, this is I've never heard him be as adamant about a call that this is when you must sell Bitcoin. Listen to those words of what Gensler said. It is not an ETF. He made that point. It's not an ETF. It's an ETP, which means it's not covered by the 40 Act. And the people who issue these things can do anything they want with it. The 40 Act is uh, basically saying, listen, we can investigate the people who issue something. This only has 33 and 34 Act. It is not an ETF. And those who call it an ETF just heard from Gensler that it's an ETP, which is quite different. It doesn't have the protections that people should get. And that's why he says he's certainly not endorsing it. That's fascinating, Jim. We'll pick that up in a second here. Let's get the bell underway and the CNBC real-time exchange. And the big board today, it is home builder Smith Douglas Homes, as you might remember, celebrating its IPO yesterday at the NASDAQ. It's a car-sharing platform, Zoom Car, celebrating its re- recent listing via SPAC. Jim, as, I don't know, are you surprised, by the way, Breath has filled in here pretty green? <laughs> the bond market is so bullish for stocks. I mean, we get these numbers, uh, interest rates look like they're going to go up and then they go down and it makes it so that there's just a terrific background. Carl, I do have to say, I mean, we have a war in the Red Sea. We we have oil screaming. You would expect the sea of red to go with the Red Sea. Uh Uh-uh, sea of green. Sky of blue. <laughs> well, you wish. We'll see how blue it is tomorrow night. Uh, but I know. I, I guess you have five degrees. Yes. Uh, but you're saying it does reinforce the point that the, it's all about rates. I mean, the market assumes that it geopolitics is. or other wrinkles are going to get ironed out. But in the end, uh, the cost of capital is going to drive trading. Yes. And I do point out, I felt like like Brian Moynihan, I mean, Bank of America shouldn't be bad. This is a little crazy here. It really wasn't a bad number. But I, Brian Moynihan talking that, look, rates are uh, have to come down. And I think the Bank of America correctly now is starting to do the right thing. Uh, rates should come down. Uh, I think that the overall theme uh, from the bank, from the, the bank CEOs is, listen, the curve is the curve. We have to accept the fact that people think there's going to be a lot of rate cuts. There probably won't be. But Everybody's inclined to say, look, the Fed is going to make a very positive move here, uh, whether it's whether it's March, whether it's June. I like that. And I think that's a very you know, that's a great backdrop, along with interest rates not spiking yesterday, <laughs> going down and interest rates not spiking on oil. Yeah. I mean, what does it take? It's benign. Uh, yeah. Mester, of course, on the tape yesterday did say that March was probably too early. But next week, Jim, uh, we get Waller, who now famously said uh, there is a path to cut even uh, just to ma- just to maintain the level of restriction on a real basis, that Waller speech next week is going to be big. I don't think that's different from what the top bankers are saying. Wells Fargo, I think, would certainly agree with that. Uh, Wells, remember, I know this is hard for people to understand, but Wells had a history of really forecasting about us, remember the previous regime, forecasting horribly. And then every time they would come on uh, on the three o'clock show and say, we missed, we missed, we missed. Charlie doesn't want that to happen. And I do want to clarify one thing. I have said that Charlie's not a nice guy. I'm going to take that back. I, I think he's nicer than I thought. <laughs> We're going to talk to uh, Mike uh, Santomassimo on, uh, on Money Movers today, Wells Fargo CFO. Jim, the uh, S&P leaders are BNY, JP Morgan, City, along with the marathons and the EOGs of the world. This is incredible. I mean, to have both of those go up, I mean, we would have thought that something inflationary would hurt those. But JP Morgan's price earnings multiple is so ridiculously low 
versus any enterprise software company. You're buying these companies cheaply. Remember, the number one performer in, in, so far this year is healthcare. Uh, these numbers, if they continue, we would start liking them more than tech. I do think that it's great to have some broadening. I was hoping for it to happen across the board. It's not. It was healthcare's turn uh, after J.P. Morgan and healthcare conference. Now it's banks' turn. But it, it's not a negative environment. It, it, it's kind of it's benign. That's the word I'm going to use for it. Yeah. Benign. Uh, UNH, of course, was taking more than 100 points off of Dow Futures. It's still the biggest yeah. laggard on the index, Jim. Uh, the medical loss ratio uh, got people's attention, which some found confusing given their scale. Uh, what do you think? I think that they've got, uh, they talked about care for seniors, the, uh, outpatient. They don't seem to have the outpatient costs down. Uh, I don't know about that. That's, it is very confusing. It's, it's basically a miss of about $100 million. UNH is a terrific company. And it is an election year. They're easy to beat up on. But I find that if you buy UNH on these dips, you do well. And they're giving you another opportunity. There'll be some number cuts on Tuesday. Uh, and that would be when you buy it, not today. Uh, as for um, sectors that are leading, we mentioned financials, uh, we mentioned energy, Jim. Semis are going to get some boost from this Qualcomm call out of city. Uh, they go to buy. Uh, they go from 110 to 160. They think that the inventory replenishment and handsets is ongoing. Well, I found that call quizzical. Uh, I think Qualcomm is a classic overpromiser. I don't really want anything to do with them. Uh, you can take it up all you want. Uh, I just don't see the value there. The stock has had a terrific move off the low hundreds levels, and I think you should just let that one lie. I would not touch that. I do like that Marvell had some good things to say at CES. That mattered to me. Uh, not crazy about Intel here. think AMD is very good. Uh, if you want to buy cell phone uh, and, and general tech, it's Broadcom, uh, AVGO. I think they're the one that's doing the best. And don't forget, they, they have a new software component that matters. I, I just think that Broadcom is the one that is the way to play this. It is very inexpensive. How about um, this Regeneron call? RBC uh, goes to overweight or outperform. 1076, Jim, would be 17% upside. I, this call is fantastic. And I say that because earlier this week, Glenn Schleifer, who was on Mad Money at J.P. Morgan, uh, people felt that his new ILEA H, the, uh, the, let's just call it the more powerful ILEA drug, that's the one where you shoot it in your eye, uh, wet macular degeneration, uh, was disappointing. The numbers missed. What a buying opportunity. Regeneron has just a fantastic pipeline. And don't forget, they think that they have a holy grail obesity drug that would make it so you don't lose muscle. I mean, obviously, what happens with these obesity drugs is you lose everything across the board. Uh, and if you lose muscle and you're someone who's a senior citizen, you can't get the muscle back. I like this call. I think it's terrific. Biggest laggard, Jim, on the NDX is Tesla. We mentioned the production cuts in Berlin. Um, we talked to Hertz yesterday about them cutting a third of their EV fleet, uh, cutting prices in China. A piece today uh, looking from Morgan Stanley looking at the OEMs in China, their backlogs are historically thin, and so they're, they're moving to book as many orders as they can. A lot of that's happening through price. Yeah, look, I think Tesla is a, a, a company that is val- valued uh, in a way which just says, listen, remember, it's not an auto company, it's a technology company, but these numbers are not good. We haven't heard much lately uh, about their so-called pickup truck the Lamborghini of pickups. I don't know if I want to throw a bunch of trees and my, my plants into a Lamborghini. Uh, I do think that Tesla's not, the, I thought that it was chilling. 
to, to listen to Steve Shore yesterday uh, talk about uh, Hertz and Tesla. That was just, wow. I mean, the people who want to adopt the Tesla, I guess, have done it. It doesn't sound like there's a lot of follow through in this country. Right. Um, I, I knew, I've been thinking about you because of these, uh, these downgrades or these calls on, on software, including Snow, as Barclays cuts to equal weight. Uh, their <laughs> argument is that whoever delivers on AI, it's, it's going to be the larger players in their view. Look, I think Frank Slootman, he's, um, hey, he's not a nice guy. Uh, Slootman's tough. Uh, he is, we call him the Flying Dutchman. He is from Holland, and he's a, he went to Erasmus, and he is a, a very exacting guy. And if you think that he is not going to pull this off, the rent the cloud at a time when everyone's going crazy for uh, trying to get NVIDIA chips for a fortune, I think you're, you're gravely mistaken. Uh, if this stock goes down off this call, and I'm not just saying down 23 cents, but if it goes down, say, 510, buy Snowflake. Slootman. Did miss a couple of quarters. He was not great in the May quarter, uh, but I don't like to bet against Snowflake. And those who have, please, again, send me your invitation to that funeral. <laughs> um, Jim, really quick, while, I, while we're here, 4,800 is a 52-week high. Uh, that's going to take you above the closing high from January of, uh, of 22. I think Dow, record high, Jim. Uh, just an, a testament this morning to the power of some of these uh, financial components. Yes, it's really great to see companies that sell at 8, 9, 10, 11 times earnings getting a little appreciation. Uh, those stocks are cheap. Anyone who wants to own a bank stock, you're not overpaying. Let's put it that way. Uh, Twilio, while we're banging through some of these, uh, Piper does upgrade to overweight. They say not completely out of the woods, uh, but some, re- some revenue stabilization going on. That's a painful call. I mean, obviously, all of us like Jeff Lawson, one of the great guys in the business, taught me how to code, by the way. Uh, and this thing is just dripping with it does better without Lawson. Uh, it's painful. It's kind of like uh, Patriots do better without Belichick. It's painful, uh, but could be true. Yeah. Um, on that theme, uh, some of the layoffs going in on in tech, Jim, we talked about it yesterday uh, vis-a-vis Google. Today, B of A comes out and says maybe uh, there are more layoffs to come. You talked a minute ago about how much we applaud our corporates for being so nimble. Uh, but B of A's view is that the, the influence of AI on your headcount is starting to get felt first by the companies who know that dynamic the best. Uh, I was uh, surprised. Uh, those of us who pressured Ruth Porat, the unbelievable CFO moving up in the ladder now, uh, about how their costs are just out of line, she's listening. Uh, she's listening, and I think it's really terrific. Uh, by the way, Amazon, in their layoffs, they were very targeted. They talked about how we figured out Amazon Prime. We don't need as many people. I, I, you know, I have Clark Hunt on tonight, uh, owner of the, of the Chiefs. I don't know if it's good to have an NFL game on constantly, but I did think Amazon was very smart to have one on Black Friday because what happened is is that you decided to order online and you didn't want to miss that game, I guess, if you were David Faber because I thought the game was quite boring, but he's a Jet fan. Well, well, the ratings... Whatever team's doing badly, he's the... The ratings numbers don't lie. I mean, some of the numbers from that weekend were truly eye-popping. And to the broader point about how technology is is influencing the innovation, the efficiency of the economy. That's one more thing that Larry Fink talked about uh, this morning on Squawk. Take a quick listen to this. The equity market uh, is resilient because we have become the dominant country in new technology. I mean, the, the, the transformation of, our, of medicine, 
and, and, and drugs that, you know, that are weight reducing, that, that uh, slow down dramatically um, Alzheimer's. I actually believe we are spending way too much time on the negatives and not enough time on the wonders of, these, of what technology and the good side of technology. <laughs> way too much time on the negatives, Jim. What do you think? I, I love Larry. I think he's absolutely true when he was on our show. He, he, I, I think he imbues uh, terrific thoughts. He gets his point across. And just like what he said, the stock was down seven in pre-market trading. Now it's up eight. We spent too much time selling BlackRock. We then buy BlackRock, $10 trillion under management. A terrific new acquisition enables you to be able to invest in uh, private public infrastructure bonds. And he, uh, he embodies what we want, Carl. I mean, hey, things are much better than you realize. And when I, uh, I listen to him, I, I kind of feel better about everything. And the way if you feel better about everything, go buy that stock. Um, we're going to talk more about whether or not this feeds into the results we're going to get next week. Uh, but first, let's get to at least J.P. Morgan's call now wrapping up. And for that, we'll turn to Leslie Picker. Morning, Leslie. A while ago, CFO Jeremy Barnum gave some color on the call that ended uh, about, oh, say, 15 minutes ago about the state of the consumer and the potential inflection point in spending. The way we see it, the consumer is fine. All of the relevant metrics are now effectively normalized. And the question really, in light of the fact that cash buffers are now also normal, but that that means that consumers have been spending more than they're taking in, is how that spending behavior adjusts as we go into the new year in a world where their cash buffers are less comfortable than they were. J.P. Morgan management reiterating that the economy remains resilient. Jamie Dimon saying in the release, though, that the economy is, quote, being fueled by large amounts of government deficit spending and past stimulus. And he says that, quote, may lead to inflation being stickier and rates to be higher than markets expect. The firm remains a beneficiary of, rate, of the rates regime, over-earning in net interest income by their own uh, description there, the profitability metric from loan making, that's NII, and the firm issuing guidance for 2024 NII that was a little bit higher than much of the street expected, with management using the assumption that the Fed will cut rates six times in 2024. The firm saw growth in nearly all of its businesses in the quarter, including higher investment banking revenue that was up about 13 percent. Barnum said on the analyst called that the firm is seeing a, quote, pickup in deal flow, noting that he expects the environment to be a bit more supportive, guys. Leslie, busy morning for you. Appreciate that very much. Uh, Leslie Picker. Uh, Jim, to Leslie's point, I'd be up 13 at J.P. Morgan, uh, 15 at Wells, 7 at B of A. What does that mean for Goldman and Morgan Stanley? Uh, it should be terrific for, for both of them. Uh, Morgan Stanley had a quarter that was light. It was light on wealth management. James Gorman last quarter. I hate to see him go out on that note. Uh, I do think that uh, my chapel trust owns Morgan. The stock did go from 70 to 92, so let's not be too tough on him. But this is a clarion call to buy Goldman. Back of the market, by the way, did not see the same consumer spending pattern that J.P. Morgan saw. They saw less uh, consumer spending. But I, again, I mean, back of market, this is a good example. Stock was down a buck and a half by morons who just say, you know what? I'm just going to sell because the headline wasn't so good. If they had bothered to listen to what Brian Moynihan said, they would realize that it wasn't a bad quarter. But people like to shoot first. This is a bad group to sh shoot first because this is a conference call group where you should make your mind up if you're listening to the conference call, not if you read the press release. Right. And from what I'm hearing you say, 
the curve is the curve, and all the banks are going to say that. Right. And the worst fears about uh, consumer credit degradation are at least not happening yet. No, totally right. And I think, do think that Leslie made a great point, which is they were using the forward curve six. Everyone's kind of constrained by the what, what the forward curve looks like, and they're making the projections based on that, which is why, once again, I'm going to say that Charlie Sharp and Wells Fargo, I would not sell it on this. He's looking at the forward curve and trying to figure out what's going to happen. And then what he's going to do, he's going to surprise you. So if they look, people want to take it down to 46, 47, buy the stock. That's what we will do for the charitable trust. Uh, the other interesting thing, Jim, uh, we sort of talked about it more maybe a year or two ago, but expense growth. I mean, say, B of A is a good example. Expense is up one. I wonder if you think that points to the sort of discipline that we are seeing to some degree in tech as well. Yeah, and look, we've got we've got headcount coming down. Look, a lot of the expenses that you see from these banks are one time. It's, it's firing people. There are way too many branches. Technology is really working. Uh, Zelle from Bank of America is now bigger than checking for heaven's, for heaven's sake. Uh, I just think that these banks had underspent. Now, now let me be careful. J.P. Morgan spent a lot of money on tech, and they've done a great job. Uh, Wells Fargo historically had underspent on tech, and Charlie Sharp has to bring up that spend. Uh, Jamie Dimon does it. Again, I, no flaws in this Jamie Dimon quarter. Uh, uh, indeed. There just I mean, weren't any. And yeah. that's, it just wasn't any. Uh, yep. Deposits Good in quarter. line. Uh, loans in line. I mean, everything except uh, Dimon's, you know, sort of macro color and commentary. Yeah, he's the opposite of Larry. What can I say? Right. Uh, Larry Fink tells you the good. Jamie gives you all the bad you want. And then a little, then he dollops a little more bad. <laughs> his dangerous so, thesis. I criticize his dangerous thesis. He wasn't happy with my criticism. But look, what can I say? I, I think it's, it's not a halcyon time, obviously. But if you go back to, say, uh, December 8th uh, uh, of 41, I mean, that, that's a more perilous time. Right. Been, how about when we had to move all the bombers down to Florida in order to be able to counteract uh, Russian missiles? Perilous time. There are some perilous times. The battle for the imperial city of Wei, which we lost, and Cronkite goes to Vietnam and says we're losing the war. Perilous time. Uh, there are other moments where the republic was much more challenged. By the way, he's not really talking about a challenge that Colorado brings up, which is uh, can you have a violator of the 14th Amendment insurrection clause still being able to run for president? Right. Uh, yeah, some interesting comments on uh, on the 24 election from Bill Ackman on Squawk today uh, as well. Jim, yes. we'll see how much of this holds. Uh, S&P, as we said, 4801. Uh, Dow up 45. Check bonds as well. PPI we talked about at the top of the show uh, with that 1-8 year-on-year core uh, print. Pretty interesting. And uh, the headline month-on-month down a tenth. We were looking for up a tenth. With all of that, yields are lower. Ten-year down to 3.9. And the two-year, 4.12. Wow, sinking below 4.2 earlier this morning. Back in a minute. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. You want bullish, I'll give you bullish. There's a piece out by Opco on Netflix. They are saying that the street is way too low on subscriber growth. It's going to be much better. Bull thesis is strengthening. Uh, This is the one. This is the one that they're going to buy today. Uh, I would still think even up two bucks you buy uh, yeah, $600 target uh, from Oppie on, on Netflix. Pretty interesting. Jim, I'm Very I'd aggressive, ask, very authoritative. I'd ask you about tonight, but we haven't even gotten to Schefter's uh, scoop on, uh, on Kraft with a new hire already. Oh, God, Schefter. Third, youngest coach, 
Uh, very, very exciting. Uh, this is a new regime up there, and I think that there is energy. We should get Bob Kraft on. He's a terrific guest. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. And Schefter, I'm like, so jealous of him. His daughter was really good, by the way, on the Nickelodeon football. She's really terrific. There, he'll so, like that. Dylan, I'm into Dylan Schefter as being terrific. It. Tell us what's on tonight, and then tell me what the next 24 hours are going to be like for you. Uh, well, it, first of all, it's, it's long underwear. I'll make that point clear. Uh, Clark Hunt, uh, Chairman CEO, we got to talk, is there football saturation, or do we not have enough football? Because it's the only thing that people really seem to put on in real time. Uh, I also want to talk about sports gambling, by the way. Uh, and Tony Dungy and Rodney Harrison, we have an unbelievable pregame. We have, these are the... But Rodney Harrison, by the way, played for the Pats. Let's find out what's going on there. Maybe he's got some insight. He actually played. He knows this fellow just became the coach. I think it's a big deal. And, yeah, I'm going to do a little pregame tomorrow. But right now what I'm doing is trying to stay warm with with our crew, who is unbelievable. This crew is amazing. They set this thing up and I don't know, lickety split. I can't believe how great the studio is. Thank you, crew. <laughs> it looks good, Jim. We're, we're all going to be watching uh, you and the game uh, tomorrow night as we await the wild card. Peacock. Good weekend, Jim. Thank you, have, you too, buddy. Have fun. That's our Jim Cramer. Don't forget, Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern time tonight. When we return, a lot more on the banks. We'll talk some JPM City, Wells, B of A, all on the move with the S&P just a shade below 4,800. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. All opinions expressed by the Squawk on the Street participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information Squawk on the Street participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Squawk on the Street disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Squawk on the Street disclaimer. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer, like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate.